everybody, I'm Brian Clapp, VP of Content and Engaged Learning at WorkInSports.com, and this is the Work in Sports Podcast. It's almost the end of January, one of my favorite months of the podcast season. Not really my favorite month on the calendar, but favorite months of the podcast season. Why, you ask? Because January is when our download numbers tend to be the highest, and traffic to our site, WorkInSports.com, always at a peak in January because there's so many people who are looking for a change in their life. You know, they're looking for new advice to change careers or whatever they need to do to get ahead with the resolutions for the coming year. We get a lot of new, highly motivated listeners, subscribers to our job board. So it's on me to impress the hell out of them with our content and all of you. So that's why I get geeked up for January. I like it when the pressure mounts a little bit. That's when I perform my best. This month so far, I believe we've delivered Matt Resnick, Sports Talent Acquisition Executive, Nigel Eccles, co-founder of FanDuel, John Ferguson, VP of People and Culture at Monumental Sports and Entertainment. And coming up later this week, Callie Franklin, VP of Human Resources for NYCFC. I loved this interview with Callie. We got into this really great conversation and she pushed the envelope as I would be getting ready to ask something. She'd be leaning into it even deeper than what what my planned question was. She kept going a layer deeper than even I expected, which was awesome. So I'm really looking forward to that. Do you see a theme in the content this month? We are highly focused on executives connected to hiring in the sports industry and understanding the trends for 2021. I sat back and I figured to myself, and amongst our team at Work in Sports, we thought, what does everybody need right now? There's so much unrest. There's so much people don't know what's going to happen in the job market for the sports industry in particular. So why don't we get those people who are connected to hiring and talk to them about it? Let's let them be the experts in this. So Matt, John, and Callie all share so much great information about what's happening in the sports industry right now. So I will say there's one variable in there, too. When Nigel Eccles' team calls you and says, hey, we'd like the co-founder of FanDuel to come on your show, you kind of blow up your plans a little bit and just say, come on, Nigel, let's do this. So Nigel was a nice little blip in there, but you should really go back and listen to that one as well because his spirit for entrepreneurism and just his sense of innovation and leadership is super inspiring. Okay, so. Before we get into today's question, which is on common mistakes that people make in the job search process, the stat line. Okay, three data points regarding the overall health of the sports industry through the lens of employment provided by WorkInSports.com, the leading job board for the sports industry for the last 20 years. Like we've been around a long time. Okay, data point number one. 18,622 jobs currently active on workinsports.com. Now, that's an increase of 5% uh, over last week and a jump of near 18% since the beginning of the month, beginning of the year too, right? The trend line is pointing up more jobs early in 2021. This is really, really good news. Uh, A lot of us were wondering, what's going to happen? What's going to happen in January? Well, we're seeing it. Jobs, requisitions, job postings on the rise. Good news. Data point number two. In the past week, in the past seven days, 2,529 fresh new jobs added. That's down a little bit 
from last week because it was closer to 3,000 last week, but still pretty amazing, way above the average for a calendar year. You know, if you averaged it out over all 52 weeks, you'd get a little less than that. So this is above average, which is great. Data point number three, that's an average of 361 new jobs added every day of the last week. Think about that for a second. Our site goes to 8,000 plus sports employers and pulls all the available opportunities out there. There's no way you could replicate that work. Seriously, it's just not really possible. So that's why we're a service worth considering. Your time is worth worth it. And you get exposed to opportunities that may not have known about. So uh, that's one of the things I really like. Okay, let's get into three cool jobs for the week. One piece of advice that I give a lot when I speak in college classrooms is that when you're getting started and trying to find your fit in the industry, search utilizing keywords like coordinator. See, everybody searches for job terms. They're like, okay, well, let me look for marketing jobs. Let me look for operations jobs. Let me look for scouting jobs or social media jobs. What I would tell you is when you're first starting out and you're not exactly sure where you fit or what interests you, you just know you have a passion for sports, search for terms that are associated with an entry-level role, like coordinator, because then you're going to get exposed to social media coordinator, digital media coordinator, marketing coordinator, operations coordinator, you're going to get exposed to different types of opportunities. Read through those job descriptions, figure out what kind of sounds cool to you. I'm a dork. I read these job descriptions and get fired up all the time. I'm like, that sounds cool. That sounds neat. That's what you guys need to be doing is trying to figure out what sounds cool and neat to you. So that's the theme for this week. These are all jobs with coordinator in the title. Number one, job number one, digital media coordinator for Comcast Spectacore in Philly. Now you hear Comcast Spectacore and you're like, well, what does that mean? Well, this job is working for the Philadelphia Flyers. So sometimes you need to just dig a little deeper past and see the ownership group and understand like when we had Monumental Sports and Entertainment on the show, John, John Ferguson from Monumental Sports and Entertainment, you might not have thought to yourself, uh, what's Monumental Sports and Entertainment? Well, they own the Wizards, the Capitals and the Mystic and esports teams and arenas and TV networks. So they're a huge sports business. Sometimes you have to look a little layer, layer deeper. OK, so this job, digital media coordinator, multi-talented content creator with experience in copywriting, photography, videography and or graphic design. Sound like you? Pretty cool, right? Has a finger on the pulse of emerging digital trends, Philadelphia's social audiences, and is dedicated to increasing the connection to our current fans while attracting new fans through engaging content. Now, that sounds pretty awesome to me because I'm a content guy. If it sounds awesome to you, you should really check it out. But this is what I mean. If you're reading this and you're like, whoa, that sounds awesome, start to lean into these areas, right? By the way, quick aside, we have this new feature for our premium members, which I love. When you select a job and you look at the job description, like I'm kind of reading to you a little bit right now, on the right-hand side, we also show more details and related searches that can help you. So for example, in this job, as soon as you found this one and looked at it, it has a search you can implement that says jobs near Philadelphia. There's currently 1,250. Jobs in sports media, since this is, fits into our sports media category, 3,213. Jobs that match your resume, match my resume, not yours, but if you, if you had uploaded your resume, it would do the same for you. Yeah, it's 135. And then you can see all jobs, which is 18,622. I love the, just the ease of kind of navigating this process. Simple, but really effective. Job number two, PR coordinator. Okay, Brooks Running in Seattle, Washington. Apparel and lifestyle products are doing really well in the marketplace right now. And Brooks is a really great company. I had a friend that worked there when I lived in Seattle. 
and they loved it. So, if you're considering PR or if you're reading through this opportunity, uh, this is how you find out what fits you. I am, like I said, such a weirdo. I get fired up sometimes from job descriptions. Here's a good example. This is from the Brooks job description. Okay. Our company culture defines us, bonds us together, and creates the conditions for success. It is lived daily as a behavioral expression of our collective set of brand values. Connect with people, innovate for our customer, compete as a team, build trust, have fun and bring passion, and be active. If you're on our team, it means you're part of creating something extraordinary. You're part of Brooks. Dude, I love that. I read that stuff and I get geeked up. I'm like, that sounds awesome. Let's do it. You know, like this is what you have to do by going through and reading this stuff. I know sometimes it sounds boring to you, but if you read it and you feel motivated, or you feel something from it, like that's something worth considering. Okay. Job number three, ticket operations coordinator for FC Cincinnati. The ticket operations coordinator will assist with all the ticket operations related functions. Kind of now that one's not quite as inspiring, the ticket operations job will deal with ticket operations, but hey, you know, can't all be winners. You'll assist with the aspects of ticket operations, including building and updating team events, price codes, promo codes, and other SeatGeek SRO ticket system needs. You'll like ticket sale. Oh, you like ticket sales and revenue generating roles plus operations. This gig is for you. Okay. So I'm going to get into the details in a second, but there's some really important parts of all these job descriptions you guys and gals need to be honing in on. We'll discuss after wrapping up the stat line. Okay. Today's question comes in from Daniel in Pennsylvania, my current home state. Thank you, Daniel. Daniel writes in, hey, Brian, big fan of the show. Thanks so much for putting out all this invaluable content. I loved your interview in particular with Matt Resnick. He shared really great info. But what I loved most was that it had this vibe like the two of you were having a beer together instead of being too stuffy. Thank you for making all of your content approachable and actionable. Damn. Thanks, Daniel. That's exactly what we're going for. So I'm always thrilled when we hit that. Uh, from Daniel again, I have a question for you that I hope you'll read on the air. Well, here we are. I'm a college junior trying to get myself prepared for the sports job market, but I have great anxiety that I'm going to make insurmountable mistakes. Wow. Uh, that sounds like a problem. As you look back over your career, both as a hiring manager and someone looking for jobs, what are some of the big mistakes people make when first getting started? Daniel, great question. First off, no mistakes are insurmountable at this point. Well, I mean, some probably are, but for the most part, what we're talking about here, like, don't stress yourself out. Anxiety is not fixing anything. One of my favorite quotes is from Ernest Hemingway, and he says, um, if you spend all your life worrying, you're going to basically waste your life. That worrying solves nothing. So if there's a problem, fix it. And don't worry about it, though, because worrying solves nothing. And I love that. I always remind myself all the time, worrying doesn't solve anything. So don't get yourself kind of wrapped up in this. I started to take notes and immediately formed like a nine point list in about five minutes. So there are definitely major mistakes that keep showing up and are top of mind and that you and everyone else needing listen, listening need to avoid. The mistakes are common, but you aren't. And I want to be clear about this. And I'm not just talking to Daniel. I'm talking to all of you listening. You're listening to this show which means you have a yearning to improve. And right there, that makes you different. And that is important to understand. So give yourself a little bit of grace, but let's get into this and explore how to avoid the big ones. I don't think these will apply to all of you. Some of you may listen to and be like, yeah, I'm not doing that. But others, you'll, I guarantee there are going to be some items in here that every one of you are going to say, yeah, I could probably do a better job on that. Okay. So 
these are things to be mindful of. First off, why is this such an important discussion? Okay, so another interview I have coming up shortly is with Felicia, Felicia Douglas, who is the manager of inside sales for the New Orleans Saints and New Orleans Pelicans. Now, she was an awesome, awesome interview. But one of the main reasons that I wanted to have her on is because she started hiring her inside sales staff back in November. And so I wanted to know what she was seeing that was different compared to other years as far as are you getting more applicants? Are they better applicants? Has the competition increased? Because if you think about it, a lot of people have been furloughed. A lot of people are uh, out of work. So does that mean when every job pops up that the competition has risen a level? And she said, Yes. So that's why this is such an important discussion. There could be a razor thin line between you and somebody else. So don't let these common mistakes be the thing that holds you back. Don't let these little mistakes be the thing that makes you not get noticed or compare poorly to somebody else. Okay. So let's get into them because this is how you're going to differentiate yourself. Number one, one of the biggest mistakes I see is that people often think their degree in college is enough. It is not, right? Getting your degree is super important. Taking all the right classes is super important. But gaining experience, real experience, is the thing that's going to set you apart. You need to have actual accomplished tasks. You need to have been in a certain work environment. You need to be in the sports industry and doing things so that you can stand out and say to somebody when they look at your resume, like, okay, they've shown they can do it. It's not just theoretical in a classroom. It's not just passing a test. It's not just handing in a paper. You need to go beyond that. I've seen way too many resumes that were graduated with a three. 3.9, but have no layers of experience in there. And if that's the case, you will not stand out in the marketplace. Getting a degree is not enough. Okay. Number two, not researching the marketplace and knowing what is in demand. Now, this is what I wanted to get to from the earlier jobs I told you about, my first favorites. When when I went through the digital media coordinator and the ticket operations coordinator, there were super specific things in there that they were demanding. It was like, you need to know the Adobe Creative Suite. You have to know uh, Salesforce. You need to know the SeatGeek, uh, what'd they call it? I didn't know what it was, SRO, right? Okay, there were really specific things in there that they wanted you to know for these roles. So you have to go in there in your process of figuring out what you want your fit to be. When you're in that mode of figuring out who you're going to be in the sports industry, You need to figure out what those skills are that are in demand. Make sure you are learning them. Make sure you are able to apply them to your job search and say, yes, I have these skills that you need. Right. So when it says I need copywriting skills, you better have them. Right. You need social media proof. You need to know Facebook insights and you have to know Google Analytics. It's going to list out these things and say, this is what we want from this role for this digital media coordinator. These are the things we want. You have to know that information or else every decision you're making right now is not getting you to the point of being attractive in the marketplace. If you don't even know what the target is, how are you gonna hit it? So do the research. Number three, not developing your network, right? You have to build industry relationships. It is not gonna be 100, 200, 300 people, right, that you're gonna be really in-depthly knowing, but it can be the right 20, it can be the right 10. So be very proactive in the way you network and get to know people, again, Everybody, there are some people out there that go to these extremes and they say, okay, it's not what you know, it's who you know. I think that's crap. There are other people that are like, it's all about skills. 
I don't think that's it either. It's a melding of both. You need to have the right skills, but you also have to know people in the industry. You also have to have connections. You also have to have, and, and network isn't, isn't just about they're going to get me a job. Sometimes it's about having a mentor. Sometimes it's about having somebody you can lean on. Sometimes it's about having somebody you can give, give you advice on how to do a negotiation. Like all these things that you need that can be part of your network. So start taking a very active role in building it. Number four, this is a big one for me, being sloppy or too clever, all right? When you're first starting out, you can't be too clever. Like I get this sometimes where it's almost flip correspondence. I've had people who have emailed me and granted it may be a little different because I'm the host of the podcast and sometimes people feel like they know me, but I'll get an email from somebody that's a a professional in manner asking about job opportunities. It will say something like, Hey bud, what's happening today? Or, you know, Hey, what was the, and it was like, yeah, I don't, don't, don't do that. Like if we know each other well and we have a bit of relationship, that's fine. We can probably do that. You might know a better sense for me, but if you're in the job application process, don't go clever, right? Be clear. Make sure your information is clear, your attitude is professional, you are ready to be like an asset to the organization. Don't try to be cute and clever and funny and that's hard to do. And at this phase, it's not actually important, okay? Sloppy is a big one too. I see spelling errors on cover letters. I see spelling errors and information errors all the time on, on, uh, on packets, portfolios, whatever it may be. Don't let yourself get sloppy. You have to be super focused on this or else you're going to miss the opportunity you need. Number five, sending out generic versions of your resume. This drives me nuts. If any of you in the college classrooms have been listening to me lately, because I've done a lot of college sessions lately at various schools, hello, Grand Canyon University, uh, University of Missouri-St. Louis, uh, talking to University of Florida next week, talking to University of Arkansas the week after that, or maybe that's the same week. I get my schedule messed up sometimes. East Stroudsburg University, I'm going to all these schools. Well, not going, virtually, I'll be right here. Um, but I, I go to a lot of these classrooms and I try to talk about this particular thing, sending out generic versions of your resume. Um, not every, you are going to have a base version of your resume, but you have to customize it for each job. And customizing doesn't mean starting from scratch. It means you might move a couple bullet points around that fit to this particular job. Like I told you in the job jobs that were available earlier, they're going to tell you what kind of things they're looking for. And when they're putting it in the job description, that means it's got an emphasis to it. That's really important to them. Make sure if that's one of your bullet points, you put it near the top. Right. So if it was your fifth bullet point, move it up to number one. Right. So it doesn't get missed. You want to make sure they see it. Make little tweaks. You know, you're going to read about the company. You're going to do some research. You're going to understand their tone, their their culture and things. Make sure your cover letter fits that tone. You're going to make these kind of little tweaks to all of your portfolio. And that's what's going to make you stand out in the long run. Don't just send out like, oh, I see this job posting is available. I'm just going to fire off my normal resume and just sit back. It's going to take more active work than that. So don't get lazy. Number six, sending out the wrong format for your resume. When you apply for a job online and you are requested to attach your file, attach your resume, upload your resume, anything of that, that's a signal to you that it's going to run through an applicant tracking system. When that happens, the first thing the online computer system does is strip out all of the formatting. So if you have this crazy, cool looking, super professional, ultra formatted resume that has columns this way and different headers this way and everything's kind of looks super cool on paper, 
When it goes through the computer system, it becomes a jumbled mess because the computer system just reads left to right. And so your sentences will be broken up by column and it makes it really hard to read. So you have to have a version of your resume that is stripped out of formatting and is just very simple for the computer system to read. Have your pretty version for the, for emailing to somebody or handing out at a, a career fair. Or if you have um, a job that just says, send your email to this, send your ad, uh, resume to this email address, go ahead and send off that really pretty version. But if you're attaching it or uploading it or putting it into a computerized application system, make sure it is a very cleanly formatted version that goes all the wording goes left to right so it doesn't get all confused okay number seven being careless or sloppy with your online persona so here's how this works okay you apply for a job the first thing i'm doing is i'm looking at your resume if i like the resume and i think you're hitting on some of the things we need i might read your cover letter and see if you've got some personality if you start to come to life and then i'm going to your linkedin profile and then i'm going to your twitter profile and then i'm going to what i can find publicly for you on facebook snapchat instagram all of them i am looking at you because I need to know who you are when you're not putting on your best persona for a job interview. Now, that doesn't mean you need to be professional at all moments. It doesn't mean we expect you to be perfect at all moments. But it does mean you can't be the yuck it up comedian who's saying things that are racially insensitive or saying things that are extremely controversial or polarizing. You need to clean some of that stuff up because that is a cultural red flag sometimes. If you don't feel like it's something you could say to your mom, um, then don't really do it out there either. If you don't want your mom to see it, don't let the employer see it. It's the general rule of thumb. It's probably overly simplistic, but you get the idea. If you're kind of sloppy out there, if you're kind of careless and you're saying things or doing things that aren't, aren't cool, people are going to see it, right? Employers are going to see it, and that does not bode well for you. Um, number eight, showing immaturity. Now, when I was hiring, I've told this many times before, I used to love to hire former college athletes and former military because men and women, right? Because there was discipline, there was maturity, there was leadership, there was coachability. Those were good things I could work with. You need to overcome any sense that you aren't those things. So if you are immature on your voicemail message, so like if I call you to set up a phone interview and your message is something like, yo, 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 leave a message after the beep. Like, come on. That's not what you need to do. This is a first impression. If your email signature, if your actual email address, if if your communication tone and style is, is just kind of immature, that's not a good business professional presentation that you're making. When you know you're heading into the job search process and you're looking for jobs, go through all of your persona, like every one of your touch points, your voicemail message, your email signature, your email address, uh, your, your communication tone and style, and just think through, is this what I'd want my boss to see and think about me? If you can't answer in the affirmative, then you've got to make some changes. Because if I see that, it immediately says, this person's going to be too hard to work and they might put on a nice front for their resume and they might have made a really nice cover letter but i see who they really are everywhere else there's a lot of little sloppy immaturity signs here and that to me is like scary i'd rather have some hire somebody that didn't have those red flags and this is the thin line we're talking about between decisions okay number nine being unprepared for interviews. This is such a huge common mistake for people get at first getting started the attitude is i'll wing it I'll get in there and I'm charismatic and I'm friendly and I will be able to just wing it and they're going to love me. 
And that is unfortunately not how this works. You have to be better than that. You have to be researched. You have to be able to know what this company culture is, how they communicate, what it is you want to achieve in this moment. Uh, it's, it's like the more work you put in up front, the more you practice interview questions, the more you think through all your previous experiences so you can relate them in the interview process. That is going to bode much better for you in this process. It's going to show preparedness. It's going to show a dedication. It's going to show an interest and a knowledge and a maturity. When I get somebody in there for an interview and I can tell they're just kind of winging it and they're not really prepared, they don't know our products, they don't know our site, or when I was at Fox Sports Northwest, they didn't really know who our anchors were or what our tone was or even who we covered. It's like, we're off to a really bad start if you're not putting in some work before getting here. If you have this attitude, you're just going to wing it. Well, guess what? You're not just going to wing it when you're an employee. You're going to have a process. You're going to have things you need to do. You're going to have to be attention, have attention to detail. Those things won't fly, right? So you have to be nailed for this interview process because it's not just your answers. It's the vibe you give off during the answer. It's the, it's the messaging you give them that says, I have put the work into being prepared for this moment. These are all super important parts. And that's just nine common mistakes that came up with off the top of my head. But these are consistent. If you can take these things out of your, you know, repeat offender file, uh, you'll be in much better position for jobs in the sports industry, especially in 2021 when things are going to be super ultra competitive. Now, again, I'll tell you, it is competitive. But as I try to tell all the colleges that I talk to and all the students that I talk to, it's competitive. You'll hear this a lot. Oh, we post our job. We get a thousand applicants. Here's the deal. 80% of those people are not qualified for the role. You will stand out against them because you are researching the marketplace. You are understanding what's in demand. You have the skill set that matches up. You've built your network. You have a good cover letter resume. You're ready to nail the interview process. You do those things. You don't have to worry about the thousand applicants. You're already putting your best foot forward. So you put in the work and everything will work out better than you could ever imagine. Okay. 2021, we're kicking some butt this year. We're going after it. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, thanks for being here. I'm starting to do more YouTube videos, trying to record all of our episodes and throw them out there. Let me know either in the comments or through our private Facebook group if you like having the video option. We've always been an audio podcast, but I'm throwing out the video option as well because maybe you want to watch me talk. I don't know. It could be. But we'll find out soon if this is worth it for us. So continue to let me know because you're our research, right? You're my research. You tell me what you like and don't like and we adjust. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Callie Franklin coming up on Wednesday from NYCFC. She's a VP of Human Resources. And just to give it a little bit more of a kicker, um, she worked in HR for Microsoft, for Target, uh, for Arthur Blank, which is the Falcons and Atlanta United FC. Uh, and then she became to NYCFC in the last year. Um, she shares such a wealth of knowledge for hiring as a whole, not just in sports, that I think you're going to learn a lot from it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Let's kick some ass in 2021. <laughs>